Welcome to the Daily Horror Habit Podcast. I'm your host, Jay Krieger, bringing you daily reviews of current and classic horror movies for your twisted pleasure. Be aware that these reviews and discussions may include spoilers. And as always, I hope you enjoy. You can't leave. An attack means fallout, which contaminates the air above ground. That's that's how it works. Well, how, how long do we have to wait until it's safe? It depends on proximity to the closest blast, one year, maybe two. And that's if we're, we're talking about weapons that we know of. Russians are developing some nasty stuff, and if the Martians finally figured out a way to get here, their weapons will make the Ruskies look like, like, like sticks and stones. Luckily, I prepared for this. I need to use your phone then to call my family and and tell them that I'm safe here and make sure they're okay. Michelle, they're not okay. How do you know that? Everyone outside of here is dead. This month marks the fifth anniversary of my favorite entry in the Cloverfield series, 2016's 10 Cloverfield Lane, a film that redefined expectations for the Cloverfield universe in the most radical way possible. Currently streaming on Pluto TV, 10 Cloverfield Lane from director Dan Trachtenberg deviates from the found footage format of the original and is not a direct sequel, though its narrative does unfold within the same shared cinematic universe as the original. While I'm sure this may have incensed a certain portion of the fandom of the original kaiju-focused film, for my money, 10 Cloverfield Lane is a smarter follow-up that approaches a kaiju invasion from a new, more intimate angle, ultimately making for a far more memorable film. 10 Cloverfield Lane wastes no time in getting started. We meet Michelle, played by Mary Elizabeth Winstead, who paces around her apartment a bit before packing a few belongings into a box and heading out the door. The camera lingering for a few seconds on a pair of keys and an engagement ring. Trachtenberg wastes no time on providing exposition. Rather, he allows scene environment and body language to tell just enough of Michelle's story that the audience finds their bearings within the opening minutes of the film. Though once Michelle hits the road, she's involved in a car crash and wakes up in an underground bunker with two men. The bunker's owner, Howard, played by John Goodman, and another survivor, Emmett, played by John Gallagher Jr. Howard informs Michelle that there's been a chemical attack of unknown origin, and that leaving the bunker means certain death. While initially the bunker seems like an oasis from the horror's topside, Howard's controlling, dictator-like behavior becomes more apparent, and tensions begin to rise amongst the survivors. Things come to a boil as Michelle decides she wants to learn the truth about what is happening on the surface. First things first, 10 Cloverfield Lane's small scale allows this film to age beautifully. Leaving behind the city for a rural, isolated setting allows little to interfere with the film's minuscule cast size total of three. This smaller scale allows for a more personable story, one that is more character driven than Monster Madness. A good chunk of the film is characters sitting in a common area, conversing, or grappling with the mundane nature of surviving in the end times. We see the ups and downs of the relationship between characters, which begins tense, but then a sense of routine and normalcy sets in, and they become more or less copacetic. And then, everything changes. 
Someone does something, anything that Howard deems to defy his underground decree that he and he alone has the manuscript for, and he is quick to remind them that he is in charge. Given its smaller scale, the film swaps out its kaiju nemesis for a far more traditional one. This doesn't make the film's foe any less deadly, and if anything, for my money, makes for a far more terrifying beast, that being man. More specifically, John Goodman's powerhouse performance as Howard. Howard's behavior is immediately suspect, and yet he skates the line between a threat and a harmless paranoid survivalist. He initially speaks in riddles, offering little clarification for what is happening. You almost get the sense that he's making up what he's saying as he goes along. The uncertainty that Michelle feels about her self-described savior is made palpable for the audience, and never really leaves us for the entire duration of the film. Goodman brings an unpredictable intensity to the role that perfectly resembles how I would imagine an abusive spouse would behave. And now for a brief intermission. If you've been enjoying this episode of Daily Horror Habit, please take a moment to subscribe to the show on your preferred streaming platform or leave us a review on iTunes. And thank you for your continued support, and I hope you enjoy the remainder of today's horrifying episode. This fuels both Michelle and the audience's paranoia as to whether or not Howard is telling the entire truth behind their situation. Was there really an attack? Did he save Michelle or kidnap her? Howard is prone to ranting and raving about how people called him crazy for building a bunker, which, to be fair, being called crazy is kind of a big sign of being a crazy person, while periodically referencing his daughter Megan, who he simply states is no longer with us. Dan Trachtenberg does a fantastic job of weaving paranoia to the degree that you can't help but second guess yourself constantly, and despite knowing the big reveal after several viewings, the ambiguity up until that reveal remains pretty expertly constructed. And for as strong as Goodman is, the dichotomy of the trio of survivors really wouldn't be what it is without Mary Elizabeth Winstead's character. Her narrative arc from someone who self-admittedly has a history of running from her problems to finally finding herself in a situation she can't outrun is a powerful one. Her inability to run forces her to strategically craft her own means of uncovering the truth and escaping to the outside world in spite of the potential reality that the world she knew is long gone. I'll never not applaud 10 Cloverfield Lane for forcing its narrative's conflict underground. By shifting the immediate threat from a monster to a human is a massive gamble that took balls. This approach definitely pissed off a certain portion of fans that were anticipating a more monster-heavy story, but again, 10 Cloverfield Lane is a stronger film for its challenging expectations set by the original. Isolating our characters via an unseen threat and forcing them to contend with a much more immediate and overbearing human monster residing with them makes for a much more haunting premise. One that, remove the extraterrestrial threat, has a strong basis in reality. So far, there have been three entries within the Cloverfield series, and I do use series in the loosest of senses. While the most recent entry of the Cloverfield Paradox was disappointing, my optimism for Cloverfield's universe remains high. This is one of the few horror-centric series that uses each entry as an opportunity to tell a completely different type of story, all centered around a shared event. Considering the numerous genres Cloverfield dabbles in, the potential is seemingly infinite. Hell, they could have an office documentary-styled Cloverfield film capturing the government's inadequate response to an alien invasion, and I'd watch that. Well, that one might have been a stretch. My point is, each film has taken a substantial risk in subverting audience expectations for the types of stories or the presentation of stories that can be told within Cloverfield's shared world. And that, folks, is a rarity. So be sure to check out 10 Cloverfield Lane if you haven't while it's streaming on Pluto TV. 
And that'll do it for another episode of Daily Horror Habit, and I'll see you guys tomorrow for another Daily Horror Movie Review. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe to Daily Horror Habit on your preferred streaming service, and follow the show on Instagram at Daily Horror Habit, and on Twitter at Daily Horror Pod for episode updates. Thanks again for listening, and I'll see you guys next time.